Hello, friends, and welcome back to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Hello, Jen. Hi. How's your mom, Jen? She's great. How's your mom? Fine. Good. Fantastic. Do you know that? Or are you making it up? I'm I'm assuming she's fine. She's a big girl. <laughs> she can handle her shit. You may have noticed that we have new podcast art. <gasps> it's so exciting. Thank you to Vogel Spin Spinna. Vogel Spinna. Thank you, Jen. Mm-hmm. On the Excalibur server. Bam. Girl has got it going on. You can see a link to her work in the show notes. Mm-hmm. She's an amazing artist and an amazing player. So thank you again. We greatly appreciate it. And Love it. looking good. Yeah, yeah. Today, we're playing through the Bull of Embers. <gasps> oh, shit. Our first primal. Yes. <gasps> but first, what happened last time? So last time we began the investigation into the abductees and the crystal thefts. So the first, the first half of the investigation into abductions... We were wandering around Camp Drybone talking to a bunch of people, uh, found out there was some shady guy pretending to be a priest, and so we uh, put disguises on to lure him to uh, to draw him out, which totally worked. And uh, we, we uh, Earth Anchorage did some quote-unquote stuff to him to get some info, and that's where we're picking up. Right. Uh, the guy being Ungust, the Brillo-haired Mohawk guy. Chode. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> So we've just reported back to Minfilia with details of the kidnapping. And while events move forward, Minfilia sends us on a really fast errand to go learn how to extract and meld materia, even if you've already done so on your own time. Right. And this was confusing to me because uh, I had already done that. <laughs> so uh, you just go and you talk to Mutamix and uh, there's a lot of goblin talk, which can be kind of difficult to, to read, like jingly shines and... Other such words. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, go talk to all of my uh, followers and, and learn how to do it. I had already done it. So I just talked to him and left. What it amounts to is that Minfilia wants us to go all the way to central Thanalan and hoof it to the some remote corner so we can go and meld her knife for her. Uh, some and remote then... corner, meaning like 200 yards away from Camp Blackbrush. Anyway. Is someone objected to chocobos? Hmm. Uh, no, I don't have a chocobo, Jen. I, I know, exactly. Ugh. Minfilia makes us go all the way out there to meld a knife for her. Well, and then she bring wants it back. us to be well equipped. She's like, if your gear isn't melded, you know, you're only doing yourself a disservice. My gear doesn't have meld slots for the most part, actually. Yeah, mine does, but my crafters aren't leveled up enough to actually meld to it. So there you go. Anyway, we, we do her errand for her. And in the meantime, time moves forward. We report back and learn that Thancred has reported his findings to the Immortal Flames outpost at Camp Drybone. And he's off on other matters now, doing other business. He's a busy guy. Sure. We're going to go and spearhead this mission for the Scions. We are the Scions person on the mission. That's it. Just us. That's so fine. That's all you need. We go back to Camp Drybone and report to the Flame Sergeant there. So the, uh, the plan... We meet with a flame sergeant. He's got some recruits there, some soldiers. So the plan is now that uh, we've got um, Ungust on, you know, giving us the intel, what we're going to do is ambush his meeting with the Amalja. 
So he's meeting with the Amalja to discuss the stuff that they're that they're doing. And uh, then we're just going to jump out and be like, aha, j'accuse, and, um, you know, take them all in without, uh, without incident. Easy peasy. So uh, we are off to the Invisible City, which is just outside of Golden Bazaar, uh, to wait for this meeting to go down. Right. It's close to where we saved Sister Orson yeah. last time. Yeah. So we're there. We're in the Invisible City, these stone ruins of some ancient city, possibly a Belladean sultan's tomb. No one knows. And Ungust is out in the open. He's the bait. He's going to act like everything's normal. And we're hiding in these ruins nearby. Mm-hmm. So the Amalja roll up and we're like, gotcha, busted. And we pop out and surround them. Ha-ha-ha. But then they're like, got you. Oh, and more Amalja come out to surround us. And now we're surrounded. So there's been a leak, but the mystery is soon solved as one of the Immortal Flames people is like, haha, I am the traitor. I've been feeding them all from the inside the whole time. Yep. And his face is permanently locked in this like Ugh. terrible, menacing Ugh. grin. Yeah, it's just, it's creepy. And he has like a hella cleft chin. And really deep set eye. Well, is this is this Midlander or Highlander? Highlander, yeah. So it feels, <laughs> sorry, Highlanders. I feel like whenever you guys are involved, something shady is going to go down. You just have a look about you, (laughs) (laughs) which isn't fair because the flame sergeant is also a Highlander and uh, he's a good guy. So, so he's a piece of shit. So the soldier turned us all in because he's been feeding Ungus information this entire time. Yeah. So they collaborated here to capture us. And then with the trap sprung on us, all the Amalja rush us. Yep. Battle ensues. This is a lot here, Jen. There are probably like 10 or more Amalja at the very beginning. And just a handful of us. Yep. And they are big too. The Amalja tower over even the higher, like the taller character races. Yep. I don't remember how I handled this the very first time. Probably not that well. Though, Despite there being a ton of dudes running around, it's not that hard. All you got to do is just not let yourself panic and just pick one target and focus fire. Right. And don't draw attention to yourself. Yep. Yeah. And the flames do quite a bit of work too. So what we have here, there are Amalja pugilists, archers, halberdiers, and then they have a leader. He's a thaumaturge named Hatsug Cha. The trick, though, is you do not try and take out the leader. Because despite lessons we've learned so far, he is not a squishy thaumaturge. He has one million health. Mm-hmm. You cannot effectively damage him. So just ignore him. Focus on the, the weaker ones. A wave of reinforcements comes in. Fight them. Another wave comes in. Fight them. Hatsug is still being tanky as shit in uh-huh. the back. After we defeat the second wave, we have Ungust and the Traitor Flames soldier. They've captured one of the the non-Traitor Flames. And they're like, drop your weapons or we'll kill this guy. Shit. While we're pondering dropping our weapons or not, the uh, Hatsugcha readies a sleep spell, launches us at us. Someone yells out, behind you! But it's too late. And we get, bam, splat right in the face with a sleep spell. Yep. And down Cheap we shot. go. Right, bunch of cowards. So cool. Now we're, we're all prisoners of the Amalja. We awaken inside some remote cave. This is out somewhere in southern Thanalan. And we find here the flames that we came with and also a good number of civilians that were captured beforehand. Mm-hmm. And they're all stuck in this cave. We're the only one. Well, we wake up and we find that all of our, all of our friends have been essentially handcuffed um, along with all of the other abductees. Um, we are not, which I found interesting. But the flamed sergeant is... Well, he's he is aware of his impending doom. <laughs> um, he he's pretty sure that what we're what we're there for is to be offered up as uh, sacrifices to 
their god and he's he's bummed because he's just going to go out you know tied up and it, he would prefer a, a soldier's death with steel in hand and well that attitude is probably why you're a sergeant man and i'm sorry the god in question is ifrit the internet is full of different interpretations of this pronunciation it's uh, i call i say ifrit um i think ifrit was just kind of how i read it in my head um the first time until i think somebody in the game said it um so ifrit is i think the um the what, canonical. What I, yeah, but Ifrit is totally fine too. Anyway, this creature is a long-standing Final Fantasy figure. It typically appears as some sort of fire elemental monster and is usually summonable by the summoner characters in its respective game. In 14, though, summons appear in this game as adversaries, though the summoner class can call on a few of them. The first one we're bumping into is Ifrit. In Eorzea, the name for entities like this is a primal. We've heard this word thrown around so far by the Scions, but without much context. They haven't really given us the briefing on these adversaries that they are so focused on taking down. They're like, primal's bad, Scions hate them, go do a mission. So thanks for the coaching, guys. We're here now, about to face a primal, and we don't know what the fuck's going on. Not only that, but it's it's like we're fighting a primal not according to our own terms. We're prisoners now, so that's kind of scary. Primals are kind of annoying to talk about while respecting spoilers, because the overall concept gets recontextualized multiple times during the course of the game. What we know for now, though, is that they are godlike beings that are summoned through a combination of ethereal energy and faith. This is the adversary that the Garlean Empire is so up in arms about, and part of their supposed justification for invading Eorzea, to stamp out primals, or icons as the Empire calls them. Mm -hmm. The reason that these are inherently bad, and not just a matter of opinion, is that maintaining the corporeal form of a primal drains an immense amount of aether from the land, so they will inevitably blight the area they're summoned in, if not put down. As the... As the adventurer, as the scion in this case, if this is your first game, you are also completely in the dark because Menphilia et al. have not explained to you any of this. It's like you said, primals are bad. We got to get rid of them. To bring a primal into being in the first place, you usually need a lot of elemental crystals. This is because the ritual takes a massive amount of energy and crystals are a good way to get a bunch of ethereal energy in one place. The other component to summon one is a, a load of spiritual energy too, usually faith and prayer. To summon a primal, a lot of people need to combine their focus and will into incarnating this entity. Before they are, are made physical, their essence is basically just scattered across the ethereal winds. And there's no real focal point for them to gather. That is until we have a bunch of their worshippers come together and cry out for um, for saving, for deliverance, for whatever. So what that creates is like a, um, you know, let's pretend the, the primal is just kind of floating along in the ethereal sea and all it's black. And then suddenly there's a point of light in the distance, which would be, you know, a group of worshippers um, calling out to them. So that gives them a focus and a direction and that will allow them to, um, along with a bunch of ether in the form of crystals, um, allow them to become physical and uh, inhabit the realm. The personality of primals is interesting because there is a continuity of character between them because it has a memory of past events and also a consistent personality. 
<laughs> However, the intent and emotions of the summoners does imprint on the primal too. So you get different versions of these creatures depending on who's doing the summoning and why. And it takes on aspects of the followers that are calling it into being. Fair. Primals are generally summoned by beast tribes. They don't have a monopoly on the concept, but they are the ones doing the summoning for reasons we'll find out later on. Part of the equation, though, is that these are the most oppressed peoples of Eorzea, and they don't have much recourse besides this entity of mass destruction. And of course, once you summon a primal, it begets future summonings because of tempering. Right. Tempering. Tempering is arguably one of the most frightening abilities of primals. It will subsume the will of the mortals in its presence, leaving creatures whose driving force is only to serve the primal. And as far as we know, tempering is permanent. Once you're tempered, you're gone. You're just a minion of Ifrit or whatever primal it is that tempered you. I mean, you're essentially no longer a person. You are a mindless subservient to the primal. And, and, and honestly, it's kind of a fate worse than death. Prolonged exposure will sometimes actually transform the body of the tempered person to reflect attributes of the primal that tempers them. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the continued impasse with the beast tribes. Eorzeans have done them wrong across the board. Every single city-state is guilty of some crimes against these groups of people. But now that the tribes have started conducting summonings, it makes the prospect of peace extremely difficult, if not impossible, because you now have these tribes of people who have already been tempered by the primal. Right. So they don't have any capacity for compromise or negotiation. They are extremists in service of this one entity, this one god. Yeah, they are a very dangerous lost cause. Yes. And yeah, more tempered individuals begets more tempered individuals, which um, sustains the primal's presence in the realm. And all, and they, and then they're just fed more and more ether and getting more and more powerful. And this is, yeah, no, this is something we need to nip in the bud. And that's why we're here. A bit late for that. <laughs> well, you know, we, we tried, but uh, unfortunately, our, our investigation didn't, didn't go quickly enough. Anyway, we're still in this remote cave. Because this game is an MMO and the game doesn't want to keep you from your urgent ERP appointment or whatever, you're never truly trapped anywhere. <sighs> you can just leave. Bye. Sometimes it hand waves it. Uh, you can be at, at the gates of some end boss after a huge dramatic cutscene and just leave. I'm going to go be Weaver for a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and come back a week later and, yeah. and it's fine. But in this case, in this cave, there's actually an underground, um, a submerged tunnel that you can travel through to leave the cave and come back. So one of the captives, one of the flames that you're stuck in here with, will tell you, hey, there's this submerged tunnel in this pool of water here. If you want to, you can slip out and go re-equip or whatever you need to do oh. before you face down this upcoming trial. But if we start going that way, then the guards will bust us if everyone tries to escape out there. So uh, I'll cover for you if you want to slip out, but come oh, back for us, nice. please. That's nice. Like, ooh, I got to go out and get some food. I'm going to go out yep. and get some some pots. And go out and level summoner for a while. There you go. But we're not going to abandon our comrades, of course. So we are here to face our fate. Stiff upper lip. I chose to I, I, I chose to do this with NPCs. Like, it's fine. So now the Malja have their throngs of prisoners and um, tempered hopefuls. The Malja, the, the high priest, begins the ceremony and begins to summon Ifrit. We present you with these ignorant savages. 
Oh, 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 they're the ignorant savages? Okay. Wow. Jim's no, being yeah, awfully it's, judgy here. It's, it's <laughs> fucked up. So um, High Priest says, we have these ignorant savages who know nothing of your godhead. So we, we want you to cleanse them with your flame and claim them as your own. And that sucks. While this is going on, we see that Ungust and the traitorous flame soldier have also been brought in here, handcuffed. And they're like, the fuck? This wasn't part of the deal? And Ungust is begging for his life. I don't think he knows what's going to happen. He doesn't know if he's going to get killed or what. Um, it's, it's, it's worse than that, bro. And uh, no sympathy, you know. And they're like, your soul as an unbeliever is basically forfeit. So here you are. I think, Jin, in this case that Ifrit has already been summoned, they're just calling him here to this location. Since it's just the one guy doing it, it's not like a full-on summoning ceremony, and they don't have their crystal stock here. Where would he have been before? Anywhere. Okay. He is like onto a god, Jin. He can do what he wants. Sure. What makes you think that he was already summoned in chilling somewhere else in Eurasia? Uh, because this is not a full-on summoning ceremony with a bunch of Amalja calling out and we don't see the crystal store this being vaporized as the energies are sucked into forming this being. We see other summoning ceremonies later on. The game makes a bigger point to show the overall summoning process versus what we see here. Okay. That's just my interpretation, not not a canonical fact. That could be. But, you know, with the lead up and all of this, what, they've been abducting a bunch of people. So these are going to be the tempered. And they've also been stealing a bunch of crystals. So we, we can assume that they're somewhere in the area. Like this is this has all been leading up to this moment. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't change the way things flow. That was just my uh, my read on the events. Yeah. Um, so Ifrit is hanging out while this is going on. And he gives a little speech. So um, when when they call upon Ifrit, we, we get brought out here with the prisoners. And the sun is eclipsed. There is a black sun above us with a corona of fire around it. And as they intone Ifrit's name, there's an explosion inside the sun and he comes sailing down from the heavens and crashes on the ground in front of us. The design of Ifrit in this game is pretty great. He's very lanky, just a thin, hunched, bestial body with long limbs. I, I like how he looks more lithe than strong. Yeah. I think probably more intimidating than like just like a big, strong guy. And he's got horns and spurs coming out of his body that glow a bright, fiery orange. He's very scary. As the Amalja beckon him to cleanse these unbelievers with his purifying flame, Ifrit steps forward and exhales a great wash of bright blue flames over us and the captives. As this washes over them, the captives that are, are so purified just begin to give praise to Ifrit. They mm -hmm. are converted in that second. They they now see him as their god. Yeah. But we're fine though for some reason. Mm-hmm. And the so the, the tempering process uh, doesn't affect us at all. And the the Amalja high priest His name is Temugzo. Okay. And he looks at us with confusion. And it, you know, why are you so special? And it must be his theory is your soul must belong to another. But Ifrit roars in disagreement. Our soul is clean. We have not been tempered by another. We art of the godless blessed's number. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. He says something else weird too. The paragons warned of thine abhorrent kind. Huh. We don't know who the paragons are yet, but we'll mark that phrase for later. 
We're only abhorrent because you can't manipulate us. He's going to manipulate our bodies into ash as he slams the ground and a ring of flames bursts up around us, entrapping us inside this large blazing arena with Ifrit. And the battle is joined. Ta-da! This is the first four-person trial in the game, a trial being different from a dungeon in that it is a single mechanically complex encounter with a significant enemy. Most trials have eight players, but this one and a few other earlier ones have four. If we elect to play with the NPC players this time, we have ditched the eager adventurers and we've been reinforced by three nameless members of the Scions. Mm -hmm. We can assume they snuck in here through that tunnel. Sure, yeah. Just in time. Yeah. When Philia's like, you know what? I don't know if Thinkward's going to make it. If you can just go ahead and check on check on him, that'd, that'd be nice. And it's funny. I had a, um, I'm, I'm assuming they would all be the same, but my my Scion Thaumaturge was a Lollafile that looked surprisingly like Papa Limo. Maybe a bastard with, son. With like the monocle and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this this fight is actually pretty straightforward, in my opinion, except for the Infernal Nail. Which, as a doing this the first time, I had no idea that you would have to fight something or, or destroy something that wasn't the boss. Um, Maybe you should have gone through Halitelli first, Jen. Shh, shh. No. No, this is important. We deal with primals first, okay? We do the fun shit later. I see. Yeah. Okay? Okay. This is a pretty good first trial, in my opinion. It's got a good number of mechanics in the fight, but they're yeah. not overly punishing. So if you mess them up, you're not going to die, except for the one linchpin being that nail. Mm-hmm. The nail's going to th- throw down in the center of the of the arena, right about halfway through. Yep. And you you have to destroy that before you can work on uh, Ifrit anymore. Right, because if you ignore it and try to fight Ifrit, he will be empowered by the nail, and he will explode in a fiery inferno, wiping your party. Ta-da! So, kill the nail. Everything else is fine. Yep. So like with most bosses, the tank will keep them pointing away from the group. Ifrit has a cleaving attack. It's a conical fire breath he'll drop every once in a while. And if one of your DPS or healer has wandered too close to the front line, they're going to get lit up for quite a bit of damage if they stand in that cleave zone. Yeah, you know what I like to do in the cleave zone? Not be there. Motorboat that shit. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Periodically, he'll light up a portion of the arena with these uh, cracks, like these glowing cracks in the earth. And if you don't hustle off them, it will explode into a a great gout of flame that will do some damage to you. Not very much, but you shouldn't hang out in it regardless. Yeah, move. And the other major mechanic is that he'll sometimes blanket a big portion of the arena with fiery, uh, like a fiery ground cover. Mm-hmm. And this also will explode, but it's much bigger than those, um, like the cracks mechanic from earlier on. And if this drops with you in the middle of it, you need to hustle to get out of there. Otherwise, it's going to blast on you. Like there's a very small window to escape that before it explodes. Yeah. And it's really big, too. Yep. So yeah, you move. Anywho. So we defeat Ifrit. And Hopefully you pop your limit break. No, not at all. 
I'm just like, boop, 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 doo, 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 doo. I always forget about limit break. I'm used to not ever doing it because I'm a ranged DPS and that's not like the best limit break to use. It's so. true unless you're the only player character in the group, in which case your companions will not use it, even though they should. Yes. Um, and this isn't like it. Never mind. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't. Whatever. It was fine. It's fine. I should have because I never get I never get the opportunity to do it because I'm always I'm always arranged something something. So we the the fight the fight ends. We defeat this guy. We send him back into the ether, fucking literally. We see a a large, bright red orange crystal on the ground, and we go to pick it up, and we are transported into the like the blackness of the ethereal sea. Surrounded by that sacred geometry with um, like six points. Yes. And one of the points is already occupied with a aqua colored crystal. Yeah, that's the crystal we got during our first Heidelin. Scions meeting. Yes. yes. And so now this one finds its place um, in these shapes and is absorbed. And then we are... Uh, then now, now we're back in reality. Right. So we got two of the six crystals that Heidelin beseeched us to find. Bam. It's so weird having this like crystal collection shit because that's so unlike the way the game is overall. I, I know. It's like, I'm like, hey, I remember doing this in uh, Sonic. <laughs> I remember doing this in a lot of games where, yeah, you collect the thing and put it in the thing. And uh, we did that. It's, it's, yeah, it's very much a trope. Um, But it. It helped me, you know, okay, like this I can connect to as somebody who has never played an RPG or an MMO or an MMORPG before. So this allowed me to feel like, okay, I am moving forward to something. I am accomplishing a goal. I can put the thing in the thing. Uh, but yeah, it did seem like, I'm like, huh, really? This is how they're going to treat that? I'm like, okay. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Um, it's really, it's a kind of a cool moment. Um, where you were like, we're back in like Heidelin land. Yep. And, um, you know plugging our crystals in when we return to reality we find thankward hustling over apologizing for being tardy he and a handful of flames he brought with us with him were busy fighting amalja or so he claims but to prove his point a stray lizard rushes over to us and thankward finally shows off his skills i wrote down this exact same thing I'm like okay thankward appears he apologizes for his lateness and as he's talking to us an amalja straggler runs up and charges him and he's like, oh, look at this. And he does this fucking amazing like backflip. In the at the peak of the flip, he takes out three daggers and like shah, right into his heart, dusts himself off and says something cool. Cool moves, Thankrid. Yeah. I didn't just kill like twenty of the things, then a whole fucking primal. Yeah. Well, if only we had Thankrid, it would have been we would have been able to deal with him in half the time. We would have backflipped over Ifri and thrown daggers and one shot him. It was still it is still cool. I put I put cool with like six O's. <laughs> so now we're we're kind of in a in a weird spot. So like let's go back and and recon let's let's recombobulate at at Camp Drybone. So right. Um. I guess as a final note, the flames that came with Thancred are right now cutting down any Amalja stragglers and trying to free the prisoners that remain. Yeah. Thancred apologizes to us again for leaving us alone with the primal, but he's very impressed. It was a veritable baptism by fire. Sure was. Um, good one, Thinkrid. As we run off to Camp Drybone, the camera pans up. We see Nero crouching on a nearby cliff. And he's... Obs- he's this ob- is Nero, the red-armored, brilliant engineer, imperial person. Yeah. 
that Garley cut, and soldier cut down that uh, Alamegan uh, spy when we first met uh, Gaius. So there he is, kind of observing this whole thing, and just ugh, what a disappointment! This is this is not even close to the readings that I expected. Um, huh? So that that speaks to a little bit of um, a forethought, a little bit of uh, premeditation, and he, he literally spits. And he's sitting there with this look on his face. I don't know what it is about the animation of Nero's face, but for me, it's particularly emotive. You can see either that or he's like one of the few characters that actually has, you know, more more nuanced emotions going on that reveal on his face. Kind of, you know, there's there's some sulking. Sulking with a dash of arrogance. Well, maybe more than a dash. I think that he's an emotive person overall. Right. He's very... He's very full of himself. He's 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 sarcastic. He's um he's pithy. He's he, I fucking love him. But he's like these readings are are garbo and then there's a woman behind him, someone wearing white lacquered armor. She doesn't miss a chance to besmirch the honor of the 7th legion, <laughs> the failed Eorzean spearhead, and saying that no wonder their their data is garbage. Yeah, like that's serves you right for counting on five-year-old fucking data from the seventh of all people and she she continues to to speak about what it is that they're doing and apparently the two of them are kind of working whatever this is it's the two of them alone um because they can't they can't count on the motherland for help well, with it's this not, it's not the two of them alone it's no it's it's like the upper echelon like the up, upperest echelon of of garlean military the 14th is what they're representing. They're working for the 14th. Yeah. But they can't count on the Garlean Empire as a whole because of, quote, troubles at court. Issues Ominous, at court. but we'll find out more about that later. Um, so they're, they're working on this thing, whatever it is, that involves the primals and watching them do their thing and whatever, measuring the stuff. The woman in the white armor, her name is Livia. Nero is like, well, despite the disappointment in the readings... We did accomplish our primary objective, which I assume is the summoning of the primal period so they can study it. And also just introducing instability into the realm. He has a, a moment there where he's, he's uh, you know, kind of marveling at, at us. The adventurer that had a surprising show of strength in this encounter. Gosh, I hope they're not going to be a problem in the future. <laughs> Hint. Hmm. <laughs> and Livia's like, it's like, whatever, don't don't lose focus in this game, okay? It's just like, who cares about some random adv- ass adventurer? If you are, you need, you need to do the thing that my lord has told you to do. And if you don't, then I will save him the task of punishing you. Um, woo, oh, okay. Yes, mommy. So Nero is like, fuck, um, I guess I should be on my best behavior. Beware a woman in love. So great. And so Livia is all up in Gaius's stuff. On that note, now that we've met Livia, let's talk a bit about her. She seems she seems a little brutal. She seems fun. The woman here is Livia Sass Junius. She gets name dropped by Nero in this conversation. Then we get her, her full name in her dialogue box. She's another noteworthy imperial in A Realm Reborn. Um, I believe she was present on the very first scene where they all disembarked from the airship, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't actually featured there, just around. No, yeah. She's a woman that wears this distinctive white lacquered Magitek armor 
with a helmet that reminds me of like a, a heavy plated jester's hat. Yes. Okay, cool. Not just me then. Yeah. It's got these weird like bulbous things coming out. Yep. They're not horns or spikes or anything. It's they're they're rounded. Yeah. Like like they were armoring Leku, but they had been chopped short. Who is this? Well, it's not a who, it's a Leku. Um you know, uh Jabba the Hutt's second hand man. Or second hand Jabba the Hutt's right hand man. Um, Bib Fortuna. I'll trust you on that one. Okay. Well, he's got the Leku, the big, the big fleshy appendages that come down off of his head. Oh, are, are those the blue aliens in Star Wars? The tentacle head aliens? They're, well, they're not blue. They're, they're actually like flesh toned. Huh. Okay. Yeah. What are you talking about? Blue, I, blue I don't. Stuff. Blue stuff with appendages that couldn't possibly exist in the Star Wars universe. A blue alien with appendages. Well, you're the expert, so I'll trust you. Not really. Not really. But that's, anyway, whatever. Huge tangent. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yes. <laughs> like like a Leku, but shorter head things. But it would be appropriate for Leku armor. Like, you're just protecting the parts, that, like, like the trunks that directly come out of your head. And then your the other, the, the, the longer tendril bits are still free to, you know, throw Get at people. Chopped off. Whip at people. <laughs> anyway. So, back to Livia who is not a Leku. Uh, she is a Garlean that was orphaned at a young age. Our favorite Legatus, Gaius von Belzar. Legatus. I think it's Legatus. I think it's Legatus. But I will we'll let... Okay, Jen's doing it. Legatus, Latin. Bam. That's incorrect. <laughs> Commanders in ancient Rome. Uh, did she uh. did she say legatus? Great. Okay. Opinions tomato, differ. Tomato. Yeah. Opinions differ. I say legatus. That's fine. I, it sounds better to me that way, honestly. So sold. Okay. Cool. Uh, Gaius von Belzar took in Livia when she was a child because uh, her father died and Gaius knew her father. So he served as her father figure as she grew up Oy. and she followed him into the Imperial Army. She's fairly young at 26 years old, and her notable achievement to date is suppressing a rebellion in Delmasca. Right now, though, she has a leadership role in the 14th Legion, serving as Tribunus Angusticlavius, which is a high up military figure. Uh, yep. We know her, though, for her weird relationship with Gaius. As this isn't spelled out in literal terms, but I think we all know that her interest is more romantic than paternal with him. Yeah. I think it's one way, but still, it's pretty weird. Yeah. More so bearing in mind her history. How old was she when she was adopted? I don't know. Like six or 13? I'm, I'm guessing in the single digit range. All right. But I don't know for sure. All right. Either way, though, it's fucked up. <laughs> At either yeah, age. Yeah, it's not healthy. No, it is not. So, things can and will be awkward going forward. <laughs> Leaving Livia behind for now, though, we return to Camp Drybone with Thancred. He apologizes again for leaving us behind to fend for ourselves, and he's very impressed with our prowess in defeating Ifrit. He's going to go ahead and take care of that, the work of reporting back to Menphilia, and we can mosey on back to the Waking Sands whenever we are so inclined. Right now. I'm inclined right now. Let's go. Do it. So... We return to the Waking Sands. So within the solar, Thancred is reporting to Menphilia all the things that have gone on. We kind of interrupt a little conversation 
um, between them where, where Thancred is basically, he's having some trouble reconciling the fact that he was late, that he had essentially b- abandoned us, quote unquote, failed us, like utterly in a time of need, in a time of great danger. And he's, he's, he's struggling with a lot of self-doubt. Minfilia says to him, essentially, well, what's, what's done is done and you, you can't blame yourself every single time. And then she's cut off because we walk into the space. This kind of speaks, I think, a little bit to, as far as what Menphilia was beginning to say to Thancred about, you know, Thancred and Menphilia's first meeting, like the reason for their, yeah, like you can't blame yourself every time something happens. So he's he's probably, that is is definitely like a core element of his um, his memories at this point and, uh, and, and something he is, has, he has tried to make up for, I think. And every time he perceives some sort of, you know, subpar performance or um, a, a lack of whatever it is on his part, that memory is going to get dredged up and it's going to make him feel like a piece of crap. So um, despite that, however, he, can, he, he powers on, he powers through, um, he rallies himself a little, bit, bit, a little bit, but, you know, he's a little bit too punishing on himself. Um, and that's something we're going to see with Thancred a lot in the future. It's just he's a, he's really self-critical, but at the same time, he still he, he still shows up. So this moment here, you know, is as as kind of lighthearted and, and sarcastic and, you know, cool as a cucumber as he seems. This is something he very much struggles with constantly. At this point, after we come in, we get the rundown finally on the primal metaphysics as the science know them today. And we also get a reason for our survival of the tempering. It's because the echo protects us. Yes. And Menphilia is like, hey, remember when I told you that your power, the echo, would be instrumental in our, um, our mission against the primals? That's exactly why. Because you are immune to their tempering. Like, that's fucking huge. You know, having help would have been nice. But yeah, we were, we were well equipped um, to, to deal with that. Um, it's a good thing... Thinkard wasn't there, honestly, though I'm sure he would have figured out a way to avoid avoid the tempering, not his first rodeo. Um, but this is where Menphilia explains everything about the summoning of primals, the sustainment of primals, uh, the tempering of people, etc., which we've already discussed. They also allude to there being some sort of greater machination behind right. these summonings. Right. Yeah, it's clear there there is some there are some dark machinations going on that outside of the the influence of the beast tribes themselves. Oh, and also, by the way, we're famous. Oh, yeah, gosh. We can't go anywhere without being just mobbed. Because we killed Ifrit. Yep. And finally, finally, a secret only to be told behind closed doors, the flames had to execute all of the tempered people we saved because there is no saving them. Their existence strengthens the primals as their will is only to serve them. So they are better off dead than aiding the enemy. Yes. And that includes... The, all of the flames, uh, the immortal flames that we were imprisoned with, and all of the ad- abductees. So once they're tempered, they are, they are lost. There is no cure for tempering. And that Thancred pulls us aside and tells us that kind of quietly. And he's like, I, you know, Minfilia neglected to tell you this, and I don't know if she did that on purpose, but I'm going to tell you. As he leaves, he expresses regret at the loss, the losses suffered um, to himself. He's to, like to himself. Murmuring he's, he's to himself. talking to himself. Yeah. He, he expresses regret at the loss of life and that Louis Soir would never have allowed this to happen. And of course, he kind of takes responsibility for that. Like, how come we can't, how come I can't do better? 
and says that he has to do better and he has to be stronger. And then he leaves. And yeah. this poor man. Uh, and uh, that's it. And Minfilia is staring at um, Tup Samadhi. And that's that. And that's where we leave off for today. We have slain Ifrit, our first major achievement. And we're on to our next adventure. This will kick off the next events here where we we get to actually become a rising star in Eorzea and we're no longer the anonymous adventurer. Yeah. So now it's our personal mission to remove the stigma of the quote unquote adventurer. We can do great things. We can contribute to society. Check us out. I I don't think that's a stigma that that exists. Of course it is. Filthy adventurers. Adventurers said said like a four letter word. It depends on the person. It depends on the person. They also speak with reverence of the adventurers that had um, helped to halt the. Oh, well, well, of course, the original warriors of light were adventurers. So it just, like I said, it it, it depends. But I, I've gotten, I've gotten the uh, the sneer. Yeah. Oh, sure, for sure. But we're, we're no longer just an adventurer. Is are, is my message? Yeah, we're the adventurer. We're the adventurer. <laughs> I don't recall when the, we get the actual title, but um, not yet. No, we're just us. We're a scion, which honestly is still pretty cool. It's also nice to see the Imperial cutscenes again, because we mm. now know what that actually leads up into. I was prepared to see an Asian. I totally forgot about this this scene after the battle. So I'm like, here we go with the Asian. <laughs> actually, I, I, I had the same thought. I was expecting to see an Asian on the hill talking in like big generic yeah, tones yeah, of yeah. superiority but no it's the imperials instead which is more welcome because Absolutely. i don't I, I don't like the way that they treat Asians in a realm reborn i think they're a bit too villainous totally so i'm happy to see the imperials which are more nuanced definitely definitely and also nero because because nero because nero yeah yeah next time jen we are going to be talking about the monk job quest through level 50 Woo! So we'll see you then. Punching harder. Well, that will do it for this episode. We thank you so much for listening, as always. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. And hope you had a great listening experience. We will see you next time.